Okay, good Chodesh. Today is Daf Daf Lamed Aleph. We're going to start from the Mishnah right at the top of Lamed Aleph 31a. Um, so just remember, we're going through different terms, phrases that people would use for Nadorim, or, or words they would use, and we use that to interpret what the Nadorim meant. At, towards the end of yesterday's shir, we just mentioned an important principle. But it's, well, the starting point is the Rambam. The Rambam says with all of these, again, some of them sound quite foreign to us, how we would never say that, um, or not never, but we're unlikely to refer to it in the same way. But again, firstly, I think these are terms that are slightly more vague, and that's why the Gomorrah discusses them. You know, if you say, I take an error from those born, are you saying from people who are already born, people who will, born, people will be born, people in general? What about animals? So these terms are a bit vague. What would someone mean? But the general, general clown, general, general clown, that means general, general, general principle, <laughs> is, um, is that you go after what people mean when they speak. It's kind of guess if I would say, I've got a frog in my throat, you don't take me literally. It's actually with children, you actually start to learn, you say things like that, and they... What, what, Dad? Let's see. Or, or, um, but it's, uh, it happens all the time because you'll be like, uh, this bed's upside down. No, it's exactly the right way around. You know, so obviously there's interpretation of the words, but we go after what do people mean when they say, or the bed's upside down, the room's upside down. It's very messy, everything's all over the show. They're like, what? No, it's the right way. Look at the floors at the bottom. And so, you, so even when we speak, we use lots of idioms. And that's what you've got to remember. With Nadorim, you go after what do people mean. Ah, oh, so if it's what do people mean, then why do we have all these many, many Mishnahs? And as well, if someone says a dark, hot, dark-haired person, well, if someone says those who the sun sees, well, if um, someone says, Mina Yuludim, you know, all these terms, why are we discussing them in such detail? So I think the one reason is to give us... When it is a vague term, you've got to analyze a little bit what it means, giving us the tools to analyze it. That's my own suggestion. Um, but also, I think um, some suggest that no, um, if he says, I take this with Chazal's intent, or he doesn't specify, or there's no clear meaning of what it means, then we would, we still need to know these uh, Mishnahs because of that. Okay, but let's go on to today's stuff. We're carrying on with, along the same line when a person mentions a group of people by using an interesting phrase. Who's he referring to? So it says, I know them Shabbos. Someone who takes a netter against those who keep Shabbos. Now this is interesting because theoretically, anyone can keep Shabbos. Or who would you be referring to if you said, I'm taking a netter against those who keep Shabbos? All the Jews. All Jews? What about Jews who don't keep Shabbos? They're supposed to. They're supposed to? Okay. So let's... Well we, took a shvur, well, we took a shvur to keep mitzvahs in general. I don't know if there's a special shvur to keep Shabbos. There might be a special bris, but I don't know if there's a special. So again, so who's that referring to? So let's see. So the Mishnah understands when someone, again, this is, so it would be when someone says, I take an error from those who keep Shabbos, it says, also be shal, also be kutim. They're not allowed to get benefit from Israel or a kuti. Who the kutim? So they pop up all over Shas. Very interesting. It was when the... King of Asher, I forgot who it was. He brought in all nations to settle Eretz Israel because the Jews had been driven out and you can't leave the land empty because they're nature and wild animals just take over it. So he brought in one of the groups of people he brought in were the Kutim and they kept, well, they were getting attacked by lions and they realized that their Jewish neighbors weren't being attacked by lions. 
they took that as a simon that they must convert. So it's a big question on their conversion because did they only convert to be saved from lions or did they convert sincerely? Later on it was found that they kept, they still had their temple, they had their own base Amidash in, I don't know where it was, but where they, in their land, they didn't go up to, as we'll see, they didn't go up to the base Amidash for the Sholosh because they had their own temple of Abu Zara. Um, so those are the Kutim, but let's assume they are Jews, whether we treat them as Jews or not. Um, and they used to keep, what's interesting about them is they used to keep basically Torah Shibbosav as they understood it. But, and the odd thing of Torah Shibbosav. But as a general rule, they didn't keep Torah Shibbosav. We know that it says in Chulim that the mitzvahs that they're, more care, that they're careful with, you can trust them because they're more careful than Jews with them. Always, a, it's interesting, often part the um, sects who are extreme, you know, like they're very, very reliable in their what they're extreme in. Totally, they're totally off the, off the, you know, off the dare, as I'm saying, in, in their hashkof, in how they view love, what they focus on, but they, uh, but, the, but the certain mitzvahs they very might be on. I guess we saw similar the other day, you know, with the regular Jews, how careful they were with Tum and Tahara and. Uh, uh, Eating trimmer, but not so careful with murder and uh, those things. So yeah, I guess everyone uh, goes off the terech in their own uh, in their own way. So kut, so those are the kutim. So he's also not to get benefit from the kutim, assuming because the kutim were Jews and they did keep Shabbos. It says If they take a neder, someone takes a neder against eating garlic, also if he's not allowed to um, to get benefit from Jews or kutim. What's that referring to? So the one of the takonas Ezra is. Uh, is that men should eat garlic on Friday evening because it uh, increases their desire and their zera. And we know that the mitzvah is a special mitzvah to have uh, tashmish on Friday night. So that's, and hope, so hopefully eating the garlic will increase the likelihood of uh, conception. So that's now interesting. It's a takonis Ezra, but the kutim were also careful with it. So that's why, if someone takes an error against those who eat garlic, then he wouldn't be allowed to get benefit from a Jews or Kutim. It says, Ma'ole Yerushalayim takes a error from getting benefit from getting benefit from those who go up to Yerushalayim. Also, if you stroll the Mutar Kutim, he's not allowed to get benefit from Jews, because they do the Shalosh but he can get benefit from the Kutim. As I explained, they... Um, um, they didn't. They had their own, their own temple. Uh, actually, our Vodazora temple, and at a later stage, they made slayers against Jews marrying them, etc. You know, um, but that's a bit later. Now, just interesting on this eating garlic. Do you know anyone who's particularly garlic on Friday night? Takonis Ezra. How can we just not do a Takonis Ezra? So the Ram, the, the Rashash addresses at the back. One of the the Rambam, interestingly, actually when he's discussing healthy eating, says you should basically never eat garlic, very rarely, and in summer definitely not. So he held that, so the Rambam holds that it's a takana for Ezra's time. Ezra realized in their time that's what they needed to increase their zera. But for, um, but for later generations it doesn't have those positive benefits and therefore the takana falls away. Obviously if you're going to take, I would, the more usual approach to takanas is that when Chazal make a takana we don't second guess it. We don't say, uh, well, uh, they said you're not allowed to eat. I mean, this might not be a takana. You've got to look into what's a takana. They said you're not allowed to drink water that's left uncovered because a snake might eat it. 
all of a sudden we come along and we not so worried because we say snakes aren't found amongst us but many xayas that you're not allowed to play musical instruments on Shabbos because you might repair them when last did you see someone fixing their piano fixing you know um, so, 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 so if you're going to take that line and say well it's a concert then it's a good chance you should still be eating uh, if they said you should eat garlic then uh, the Rambam says you shouldn't. Now I want to prove that you should eat the garlic, so they were right. Do you ignore the Rambam and go back to the um, original thing? Um, uh, look, once the Xayra has fallen away, which as far as I can say, I, I, maybe the Al-Sassidim or Tamida Grog or Makbid to follow every Xayra, even the ones that haven't been practiced for years, Maybe they, but once the Xayra has fallen away, I, so, I see no need to uh, resurrect it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, what happens if, if you can ask a question, what happens if uh, the Xayra of, uh, I'm trying to think about it, falls away? People start handling everything on Chavez with no restrictions. So would we say, we'll then come back and reinstitute it? I mean, Muktu would like to say yes, because it's an intrinsic part to our Shabbos and stuff. But I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I'd imagine, but even if it doesn't resurrect itself, well, you should keep healthy practices. So, no, but again, not, I don't know, independent of the Zayra or not. Again, the Rambam's, if you, the Rambam holds, you can disregard the Xayra. You probably also have to say, he hold that Ezra made it for their time when garlic, when they needed garlic or whatever it was. But for most, for the future, it, he didn't make it. I mean, you can. You can have a rabble of a shul. You can say, look, for the, or his community. You can say, for the next year, we're doing this. Or for the next month, we're doing this. Um, taking on a certain practice. Um, and then it would fall away when it's not. So maybe that's the, how the takon of Ezra worked, and therefore it's fallen away. Okay, my say Shabbos. What do you mean by those who literally rest on Shabbos? It's Shabbos, those who keep Shabbos, Then why do you specify Jews and Kutim would fall under the netter? Also non-Jews. Seventh-day Adventists, they keep Shabbos. So they should also they should also not be allowed to get benefit from them. So the Gomorrah answer is there's no element suvim ala Shabbos, commanded to keep Shabbos. Well, then the last clause of the Mishnah, you said those that go up to Yerushalayim. If you take the net and not to get benefit from those who go up to Yerushalayim, you're not allowed to get benefit from a Jew, but you are allowed to get benefit from Kutim. They commanded to go up to Yerushalayim. Just because they don't keep the mitzvah doesn't mean they're not commanded. So what's the key factor when we say these phrases in the Mishnah? Is it that you do the action? Someone, but then you should include non-Jews who do keep Shabbos, or is it that you commanded to do it, but then you should include Kutim if you take a error against those who go up to Yerushalayim? So El Amar Abaye, Rada Abaye explained, Mitzave Vo'isekatani, the Tartei Bavik. So no, it's someone who's commanded and he does it. But Tartei Bavik, I say in the first two clauses, Yisrael Vukutim Mitzave Vo'isem, both Jews and Kutim are commanded, and they both do it. They both keep Shabbos and they both eat garlic. Goyim Hahuda of the Oisin, the Enemitzuvim. Even those Jew, non-Jews who do keep Shabbos. 
You're right, they do it, but they're not commanded. And Bali Ba'ila Yerushalayim, Yisrael Metzuvim Ba'oisim, Kuti Metzuvim Ba'enam Oisim. By those who go up, the Neder regarding those who go up to the festival, go up for the three festivals, Yisraelim are commanded and they do it, so they'd fall under the Neder. And Kutim are commanded, but they don't do it. So that's a double fact, I guess. You could always, I mean, uh, it's interesting in, in America, you often notice Jews and the Christian conservative side um, joining together because they hold for the same mitzvah. <laughs> so there you have non-Jews and Jews keeping the same thing. I can't think of an example offhand. Um, yeah, Jews and non-Jews keeping the same thing. However, the Jews do it and are commanded, and the non-Jews do it, but they're not commanded. So therefore, it wouldn't be... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we'll discuss over the page Areli, those who are circumcised. But theoretically, I guess you could ask uh, Ishmaelim, eh? but we'll see among Mila over the Remember, is it? Yeah, yeah, so again, they do it, but they're not commanded. So yeah. you take a netter against those who eat, who keep a face, I say that, yeah, it wouldn't have done. So then the next one, Koinem Shaini Nene Livnei Noach, I won't get benefit from Bnei Noach. Mutab Yisrael also be Omas Oilem. You're allowed to get benefit from Jews, but not from non-Jews. Says Yisrael, Milofim Miklal Bnei Noach. Have Jews left Bnei Noach? We are descendants of Noach. If you say Bnei Noach, the descendants of Noach, Jews are descendants of Noach. Noach's son shame. We descend from shame. So he should be says no. Kibain de Igdish Avram Iskidil Al Shmei. Once Avram was sanctified, sorry Iskaru Al Shmei. We are called by his name. And we no longer, in a way, we are no longer considered B'nai Noach, we're B'nai Avram. Um, it's a very interesting thing to discuss what's our connection to Avram. You know, Avraham, Avram, the father of all nations. Um, how do you view converts? Would converts still fall under B'nai Noach? I mean, there are a few interesting halachas that it comes up with that someone's considered B'nai Avraham if they're a convert. Are they, I mean, we generally include them as Jews. Well, we definitely include them as Jews. But what about B'nai Avram? And um, there's a machlokis in the Gemara whether, whether, Babikurim, uh, you go up, you take your first roots up to the base of Midash, and there's the psukim you say. It's a declaration you say. Declaration is the psukim we use on the Seder, you know, Arami Oved, Ovi, etc. And Aramean try to do those psukim are actually what you say when you bring the Bikurim. Um, so there you say, look what happened with my fathers and my forefathers. So can I dare say that he doesn't? They weren't his forefathers. Many include the Rambam Paskin that he can because they still fall under the category of Bnei Avram. But uh, that's something to think about. But listen, the next mission says, Avram. If someone says, oh, maybe this is where we should have discussed that point more. Avram, I won't get benefit from the descendants of Avram. Also be Israel, he's not allowed to get benefit from Jews, and he's allowed to get benefit from non-Jews. What's Ishmaelim? What about that? Ishmaelim. Remember, Avram had a son Ishmael. So if you're going to say I'm not going to get benefit from Zera Avram, the Ishmaelim should be included. So he says, no, because the Apostle says, your descendants will be called through Yitzchak. The Torah tells us we only consider Yitzchak. Avraham's descendant, or at least for when people refer to it. Yitzchak is the descendant of Avraham and not Yishmael. It says, what about Asaph? So, 
Edom, etc., should be forbidden because to get benefit from because they're descendants of Abraham who are descendants of Yitzchak. So he says, Be Yitzchak, Veloy call Yitzchak. No, it says, Be Yitzchak, I, in Yitzchak and not all of Yitzchak. I, so when the Pasuk says, Be Yitzchak, Yikorei Lecho, Zera, I'll only consider your descendants from Yitzchak. It uses the word Be Yitzchak, which is limiting it. So it's not all of Yitzhak, not Asaf. So again, so when a person uses that man, that phrase, he's referring to only Jews. Again, I think we would be similar. You say Zerah Avram. Only if you start to think about it, then you're like, oh, maybe maybe that also means Arab. That maybe that also means uh, descendants of Asaf. Um, but again, I guess once you start thinking about it, then you have to analyze what was included in that. Okay, next Mishnah. She'ani enemy Yisrael. If a person says, I take a neder that I won't get benefit from Yisrael. So first point is the net is not that his property is forbidden to you. Because if the net is that his property is forbidden to you, well then there's no really way out of it all his property is also to you. Here the net is that you won't get benefit from a Yisrael. Now how does that work? So he says, and why am I emphasizing that? He says, You can buy something for more expensive or you can keep sell it for a lower value. I, so you want to buy groceries, you want to go to kosher world, but now if you buy it at the, if you buy it at the normal price, you're getting benefit from him because you're getting a deal, you're getting what you need, so you get you're getting benefit. So uh, um, so what do you do? You oh, so so you pay a bit extra. If you're paying extra, you're not getting any benefit. So then you're not getting benefit from Israel. Or if you need to sell something, so you have to sell it for less than its value. And then again, you're not getting benefit. That's why I emphasized on the net is not on the items, it's on getting benefit from the other Jew. It says, um, the other way around, Israel then in Lee, if someone takes a net that other Jews aren't allowed to get benefit from him, you can sell it for less, or you can, sorry, buy it for less, or sell it for more. Says, and then you can read other gears where he says, but they won't listen to him. You, someone comes to buy something from you and you say, well, look, you're not allowed to get benefit from me, so pay, uh, pay uh, extra 10%. Then it's fine, I'll go, and I'll go to the shop down the road. So look, no one's going to listen to you, but if you can persuade someone, then you'd be able to sell your items. You know, some of the gears, if they listen to him, I think it primarily boils down to the same thing. Um... Then he says, what happens? If I take an error that they can't get benefit from me and I can't get benefit from, or that, sorry, they're also to me and I'm also to them to get benefit from them. You have to go get, you have to do your shopping with the non-Jews because you can't get benefit. They point out what's the novelty of this last point, the Ran asked. I mean, isn't it pretty obvious? You take an edit that you can't get benefit from a Jew and a Jew can't get benefit from you. Now, either way, whether you're selling it at fair value or higher value or lower value, one of you is getting benefit. If I give you a 10% discount, then I'm selling you getting benefit. If, I, if you charge me, you know. So someone's always getting benefit. So what's the novelty saying that you can still, that you have to go to a non-Jew? Is no, because we know, remember we saw earlier, um, earlier in the Masechta that if someone takes a shul that they won't sleep for three days, the shul falls away. Again, they've taken a false shul, but the shul falls away. You can't take a shul that's impossible. And the drawing and shuas are parallel. You can't take a neder that's impossible. So you might have thought if a person takes a neder that they won't get any benefit from a Jew, 
Um, maybe that's considered a neda that's impossible, and Jews can't get benefit from them. Maybe you'd say that's a neda that's impossible. Kant teaches us no. You have to inconvenience yourself. I think imagining, I'm imagining more, especially in their towns where there was more like the ghetto lifestyle. I mean, here whether you go to spa or you go to uh, kosher world, much of a muchness. But if you lived in a ghetto and all the shot, you know, it's a bit of a mission. You have to go out of the ghetto. They're probably not going to want to sell you. So that's, but, so even though it's an inconvenience, it's still not considered an impossibility that the netter falls away. Okay, Omar Shmuel. Shmuel says, it's a fascinating point. If someone buys something, sorry, he takes, he doesn't buy, he takes an item from the woman to look at, to try out or something, to check it out, and something happens and it breaks, he's liable to pay. And this festival, so what's he saying? You, you know, the, what's it? You break it, you pay. You pick up something to look at in the shop, someone bumps into you with their trolley, it drops, uh, totally out of your control, nothing you could do, and it breaks, you hire. Now, interesting enough, you've got to remember anything you're responsible for falls into the four categories that Dalit showed me, the four gods. Now, we know that the level of liability is based on the level of benefit versus cost that you get. So on the lowest extreme is the Shomer Chinam. You need to rush out and say, watch my, watch my talus for me, I just need to rush out for a minute. Watch my coffee, you know. I'm a Shomer Chinam, I'm doing it for free, I'm not allowed to use it, I'm not getting any benefit, so I'll have minimal responsibilities. I'm only basically, I just can't be negligent with it. But if someone steals it, you know, not responsible, uh, minimum benefit. However, on the other extreme is a Shoel, someone who borrows. Say, can I borrow your talus? Now I get full benefit, I get to use it, I get to basically do what I want with it, and use it, and I don't even pay you. So a, a shoel, a borrower, is liable even for oinas, even for things that are out of his control. Um, and then there's in between, there's a paid guard, uh, you pay me to watch your thing for you, again, okay, I'm not getting benefit of use, but I am being paid for it, so I get, do get some benefit, or, uh, or a hirer. They might even be, in, in some halachas, say that some view them as the exact same halachas, but a hira is I get to use it, but I have to pay you for it. So those in between. Now, by the fact that Shmuel says when you pick up something to look at it, you're in the shop standing and you're examining the item, you're a chayah for oines, must be he's lining you up with a shoel, a borrower. You get full benefit by the fact that you can pick this up and then go ahead and buy it. That's considered you getting full benefit for no for no cost, you're just looking at an FUB half or even oinets. Says, yeah, Alma Kosovar Castle. We clearly see he says that Shmuel holds that when you buying something, the buyer is getting the benefit. <coughs> Who wins it when you buy something? The buyer, he's getting the benefit. That's why when you pick it up to buy and you're looking at it or you're taking it for a test round, you're fully liable. So he says, Tanan, but wait, what about the Mishnah? It says, It says, if you take a letter that you won't get benefit from a Jew, you're allowed to sell it for cheaper, but you're not allowed to sell it for equal value. Now, if you're going to tell me that the benefit is on the buyer, then you should be allowed to sell it for equal value. If we're going according to Shmuel that when you're in a sale, who's benefiting? The buyer. Again, how do we know that? Because Shmuel views him like a shoel that's oines, that's high for oines. So the benefit's on the buyer. Well, then if I sell an item to you at its fair value, you're getting all the benefit. 
So as a Jew who says I can't get benefit from other Jews, I shouldn't have to sell the items for less than their value. I should be allowed to sell the items for fair value. So he says, no, Manisim bezvinu derami alape. It's a... Mish, it's, the Mishnah is dealing with a sale that you're throwing in their face. I, it's low demand. It says, that, ah, low demand. Now it's the other way around. It's, uh, it's the seller who's winning when he manages to sell something that no one really wants. It says, ah, imkain, emeratio kerbayoiser. But then why does the ratio say you, should, you can sell it for more so you don't get benefit? You should be able to sell it for equal value. It says, well, Someone, firstly, it says in the safe, if he says, I take a area that Jews can't get benefit from me. Say which one is that? Sorry, that, um, you know, that Jews can't get benefit from me. It says, the, what, what was the halacha there? You have to buy it for less. You have to sell it at a high value, again, so that they're not getting benefit from you. If it's in low demand, I feel it's Shabbat Shabbat, then you should be able to do it at fair, fair, at fair value. So, because then he's not getting benefit. Um, only the only the seller's getting the benefit. Either Jew who said that other Jews aren't allowed to get benefit from him. So the Moran says no. Safer is Vina The safer is actually dealing with something that's in high demand. But then again, wait. You said that he can sell. He has to sell it for less. Sorry, he has to buy it for less. He should be able to buy it for for, for fair value. If it's something that's in high demand. Who's winning in the deal? The buyer. So if he buys it at fair value, sorry, it's a dollar around. I think I went around, right? If it's a Zvina Kharifa, if it's in high demand, then it's the buyer. Yeah, it is the buyer who's winning. So even if he, um, he shouldn't have to pay less, he should be able to pay fair. And, he, and that's that's not getting a uh, benefit. It is, you know, how demand, so the buyer gets the hanar, and then the buyer should be allowed for, you know, allowed to buy for equal value. says, No, it's an item that's in regular value. I, uh, loaf of bread, all these things that are, that are all regular, uh, regular demand. But Shmuel, and where Shmuel said is halacha, that it's the buyer who gets all the benefit, there's been a charif is with something that's in high demand. And Tanya Kavai said, there's a price in high demand. He buys, um, he buys Kalim, then if he buys Kalim from a trader, but he makes a special deal. He says, I'm sending them to my father-in-law's house. I want to send them to my bride, my fiancé, for the, I guess for the trousseau or whatever. But if I if they accept the gift, I oh this is nice, we love it, thank you. Then I'll pay you their fair value. The im love if they don't accept it, they're like oh well we already you send what you send your wife uh, thing of uh, something for the I think a set of uh, I don't know tiles or whatever a set of. Uh, uh, cutlery or something, and he's like, "Oh, we already have that." The imlav, so they don't accept it. And you know, he says to the shopkeeper, "I'll pay you for the 
benefit I got. I, my wife and her family will still appreciate that I sent them the gift, even though they're not accepting it, so I'll pay you what that is worth. So again, so, so just wait, so now he says, If when they are being delivered, I, on the way to taking them to his fiance, something happened, they're hijacked. Is he in a car accident? That's Oynath. Says, um, then he's liable. But Chazara, if it's when they take being, they've been delivered, she says, oh, thank you so much, but I already have these, and sends them back. Potur, Mibnei Shehu Sochor, he's exempt because he's now like a paid God. So, interesting. So, what do we see? I mean, again, when he's sending it, he's the buyer, and therefore we say he's getting all the benefit. Even though he's not yet, he hasn't yet bought it, and he's only going to see if he buys it, but the fact that he can just buy it now, it's, he's getting all the benefit. But when they're sending it home, he's the one who, he's already, as I understand it, he's already received his benefit. And, um, and I think, yeah, the, he's, by being allowed to borrow it, that's, he's already paid for it, and therefore he's like a noise socher, and then on the way back, he won't be liable for oinos. Because again, on the way back, he's not the buyer, so it's not for him, it's for the other person. So, there was a broker who took wine to sell. So, the deal here is that their agreement is that the broker says, if I find someone to buy the wine, I'll pay you X. If not, I'll return you the wine. So, he's obviously confident that he'll be able to sell it with a markup on their agreed price. But that's his thing. If I manage to sell it, I'll pay you X. If I don't manage to sell it, um, I'll return the wine. So he says, so he's a Saksira, the Shokal Khamril Zuni, there was this broker who took wine to sell. Veloy Izvin Bahari Daharar, Isnis Khamra. And he didn't manage to sell it, and while he was taking it back, the wine broke. Something happened to the wine. It says, Chaivay Rav Nachman, Ashtumay Rav Nachman said he's liable to pay. But wait, in the previous piece you said, when it's been taken out, the benefit is on the buyer, the person who's testing the product. So he, has, so he would have to pay. But when you're returning it, then you're in Oise Socher, you're exempt for Oinais. He No, even when the Safira, this broker, is taking it back, it's still a halacha. Because if you find someone to buy it, even when he's on the entrance, won't he actually keep it? So again, you're working as a broker that whatever you don't sell, you'll return, whatever, by the end of the month. If you're walking, you're carrying the goods back to the shop, to the wine guy, as soon as, even if you find someone on the way or you hear about someone who's interested, you're going to sell it. So you're never returning it. You're always trying to sell it again until you've actually returned it. Well, is this every time that the, the fiancé who's so delivering the goods and taking them back, who's it a, a shaliach? I, I, I imagine, it could, I don't think it really makes a difference. I think even if the shaliach's doing it. No, if it's from the shop, here it's from the buyer. So you basically you would have an, uh, you you ask uh, you have something for your fiance and they're in Israel, so you say, Will you take this gift to her? Someone going. 
So that's because you, and if not, I'll return it to the shop. But you have shops here. So it doesn't you go. So you. If they deliver, so if they delivering it, I don't think you. Like, yeah, I don't think you liable under it. No, I think they did shaliach. I don't know what the agreement would be if uh, the items go missing on the way or damaged on the way. I don't think you're liable until it's been delivered. Yeah, I don't think he's your shaliach. I don't think he's your shaliach. I think that's slightly different because there, interestingly up there, you've already like paid for it and everything when you do these online orders. Here the case is more disgusting is I come into your shop. And I say, oh, look, this looks really nice. I'm going to take it home, see if my wife likes it. If she does, I'll pay you the marked price. If she doesn't, I'll bring it back. So that's the deal we're talking about here. Again, if I, if I say, oh, this looks amazing, I want to take it to my wife's house, um, we're going to stop soon. Um, if I take it to my wife's house, uh, sorry, if I take it home and my sorry, what's the scenario? Uh, yeah, if she should out it, then we'll keep it. If not, we'll change it. So that's uh, sorry. If I say I'm buying it, if I, sorry, if I say, will you please take it to my house? I don't have a truck, and that's a whatever big thing. Will you take it to my house? That's still me trying out the goods. That's why he's your my messenger in that case. Yeah, but if if it's if I pay for it and you're the delivery guy, well, then I think you're responsible. Or I have a feeling with checkers in these places, the thing is, until delivery, they're liable, and until once it's delivered, you're not liable. I'm not sure exactly, but that's what I imagine. Okay, let's do the next question. If he takes a nether, then he won't get benefit from aralium. He's allowed to get benefit from those who are Jews. Even if they're uncircumcised, but he's not allowed to get benefit even from non-Jews who are circumcised. Says that I won't provide benefit for mulim. Also, he's not allowed to get benefit from uncircumcised Jews, and he's allowed to get benefit from non-Jews who are circumcised. Why? Because the orla, the uncircumcised aspect, is specifically what we call non-Jews. Shenemar, as it says, ki all Aurelim, all non-Jewish Aurelim. But what do you mean, all non-Jews are Aurelim? Some have brismila. It says, and all of Israel have an uncircumcised heart. But either way, we see that our non-Jews are referred to as Aurelim. So interesting, it's almost a status, not a physical action. It says, and further he says, this uncircumcised, David and Melech spoke about Goliath as this uncircumcised Lishti. How did he know whether Goliath had a circumcision or not? But no, because non-Jews are referred to as Aradian. And then he says, another positive, in case the daughters of the Plishtim celebrate, in case the, the daughters of the Aradian rejoice. Now, what do you mean? Maybe some of them are circumcised, some Plishtim are circumcised. So no, when Aurelim refers to non-Jews. And Rebbe Lezer, Ben Azariah Oymen, Mu'usahi Ha'orleshen, Izgane Boreshoim, Shenemar, it says, Ki kol goyim Aurelim. Rebbe Lezer says, Orle is Mu'usah, because that's how we degrade the non-Jews, by referring to them as those who have an Orle. Ki kol goyim Aurelim, all goyim hu Aurelim. Rebbe Shmuel Oymen, Rebbe Shmuel says, Great is Mila, Shenichrusu Aleo Shloj Esrei Brisos. There are 13 covenants 
sealed over it. Again, when, uh, when the Pasuk speaks about Avram and his bris mila, it mentions bris 13 times. Mila is so great, it pushes aside Shabbos, which is so severe. If it's the eighth day, you do Mila on Shabbos. Rabbi Yishuv ben Karcha Oymek, Ketoyle Mila, Shaloi Nis Nitlolom, Ramosha Atzadik, Ela Afilu Malei Shah. When Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do a bris Mila on his son, one moment that he should have, his life was in danger. We'll see that on tomorrow's day. Tomorrow we'll explain the case. The, the, the angels had power over him. So even though Moshe was extremely great and extremely humble, secondly, he was lax for a moment in Mila, the angels were nearly going to kill him. Mila is so great, it pushes aside Tsaras. There's a negative commandment to cut off Tsaras, but if it's the eighth day and the child has a Tsaras on his orla, you cut it off. Rebbe says, As all the mitzvahs that Avram did, he still wasn't completed, complete, considered complete until he had. Mila Shenemar's post Go before me, I am half Bris Mila, and then you will be Tommy. Great is Mila because if not for Mila, Hashem wouldn't have created the world. As it says, If not for my covenant day and night, the laws of heaven and earth, I wouldn't have made the laws of heaven and earth. I wouldn't keep nature running if not for this bris. For the, and we're saying it's alluding, in this context, we're saying it's alluding to Mila. So interesting, in this mission we have the contrast of the degrade, degrading repulsiveness of the Orla and the Mala of having bris Mila. Well, this might be interesting, is there a question when you give the, the mitzvah to do a bris Mila, is the primary thing to not have an Orla? Or is it the action of removing the Orla? So, I mean, from this mission we see both aspects. We see the repulsiveness of having all us, and it's just make sure it's not there. But on the other hand, we see the mala of having a bris meal of doing the action. You, you can argue that that's not a valid way of reading the Mishnah, but that's just an interesting thing to think about what is the main Mishnah. We'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Shabbos.